0: This episode is brought to you by the 5-Day Money Challenge. Get your stuff together with money and increase your confidence in just five days. Save your seat at WhitneyHanson.com moneychallenge and join in on the fun. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. When it comes to short-term rentals, buy nice, not twice. This was something that I took away from today's conversation with a really rock star Airbnb creator and YouTube content creator. That's how I found this guy. It's really a fun conversation. Now you might have been noticing a theme. The past few episodes have been centered around real estate and getting you to think creatively about real estate transactions specifically. Why am I doing this? Because I recently read a report from AirDNA, which is a Airbnb VRBO. It's, it's kind of an aggregator. It gives you an idea of how much money you could possibly make in specific markets. And this report was so interesting. It started to talk about how even with 2020, there are more people looking for unique rentals. I want you guys to be a part of this market and I want you to think creatively about how you could potentially generate some extra income. That's why I've been sharing so much about short-term rentals and not to mention, this is exactly what I'm working on right now. So of course it's always forefront of my mind. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. He is a total rock star. His name is Rob Abisolo. He is a tiny home builder, glamp site owner, and Airbnb superhost. Rob is passionate about sharing his knowledge, and he even started a YouTube channel at the beginning of 2020. He was recently named YouTube's creator on the rise. This guy's got almost 60,000 subscribers all in less than a year. So to me, that is super impressive. And for good reason, he's doing some really cool, unique things. In this episode, we're going to cover a lot of ground, but here's specifically what you're going to learn. We talk about why Rob started a YouTube channel doing funny DIY and tiny home videos What experiencing extreme YouTube channel growth was like for Rob buying a house and realizing his dream of building a tiny house. What building Rob's first tiny house was like. That's always interesting to me renting out an Airbnb tiny house during COVID, why Rob thinks he went viral, a little bit of insight there. We dive into how he funded his tiny houses, his YouTube channel. He does such a phenomenal job of really breaking down the exact costs and how much money you can make. This is what inspired me. I think it's really interesting to see how you can really man, just grow a little tiny empire. I think it's amazing. The cruciality of creativity when you're building a property is super, super important. You don't want to look like everybody else when it comes to the short-term rental market, how to maintain confidence in your endeavors, how to get your properties noticed on Airbnb and a really fun conversation into his latest upcoming project, which is an Airstream treehouse. Yes, you heard that correctly. Guys, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Robert Abasolo from Raw Built YouTube channel. Make sure you give it all some love. You're going to love this episode. I'm super excited for you to meet him. Let's go ahead and dive in.
1: Hello, hello. How you doing?
0: Doing so good. I'm so excited to chat with you.
1: Well, you know what? This is my uh, my third podcast that I've been on, and every time that I do a new one, I get more excited for the next one, because I like, I really like podcasts. I listen to podcasts while well, I used to pre the pandemic. Yeah, no doubt. I used doubt. to have a two hour commute. Uh So I, all I did was listen to podcasts. Now I have a zero commute. So it's harder to squeeze these, squeeze in listening to them, but doing them all about it.
0: I am, well, I'm excited too. I think in your future, you're definitely going to be a podcaster. I have, I'm putting this out into the world. I see it happening, <laughs> my friend. It's going to happen eventually, but it's an honor to, to connect with you, I initially started watching your videos on YouTube and you've had quite the YouTube journey. So can you tell us a little bit about why you started a YouTube channel and where that's led to today?
1: Yeah, totally. So, you know, uh, it's it's honestly weird to explain it like every time because honestly, like I never expected to, to be here today, like right now. I started a YouTube channel in the very beginning of January 2020, uh, the week before that. I was at lunch with a couple of friends and I said, you know, we were talking about whatever and YouTube came up and I was like, man, I always had this idea, like I really want to do a weird, quirky take on DIY. I've never really seen it done before. And like unanimously, like instantly they were all like, dude, you you've got to do that. that. That's awesome. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, man, like, that sounds great. So a week later, I recorded my first video. And I think like a couple of days after that, I think I edited it for like 20, 20 hours to get like a four minute video out. But um, <laughs> January 7th was was my first video. And uh, fast forward to kind of a couple months, it was like I was doing DIY and just kind of like what I thought was a funny take on it, you know? Yeah, I don't know if it was. It, I, if I watch that stuff now, it's a little cringy because it was me trying to be funny. But yeah. Um, Started off in the DIY space and then, you know, a couple of my videos took off that had nothing to do. Well, something to do with DIY, but they were specifically tiny home videos. And um turns out that people really liked my tiny homes and I was really not expecting it at all. And uh, then YouTube made me crater on the rise one day. And I mean, it was just kind of like it all felt like it happened overnight because I was really trying to get a thousand subscribers. That was my goal. That was my dream. And I was like, if I can get a thousand subscribers, I will have arrived, you know, and, uh, you know, that took me six months and, uh, I was like, wow, I did it. I, 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 I can quit my job. I'm, I got a thousand subscribers. And, uh, you know, I think like four or five days later, I hit 5,000 subscribers and a week after that 10,000 and 15,000. And I, I think just like within that month, I got to 25,000.
0: That is um, so unbelievable. I can only, like, what were you even thinking? Were you looking at your numbers like, is this a fluke? What's going on here?
1: <laughs> you know what? I I think that we didn't really, I don't know. Like, I was like telling my wife, I was like, babe, you'll never believe it. It's like 5,000, it's 10,000, you know? And like, obviously, like the more it happened within that month, the, I don't want to say the less excited, but like, remember, like for me, truly my dream was 1,000 and then 5,000 after that. After I hit 1,000, I was like, once I get to Five thousand, I, I I will really believe in myself in this concept. And because like five thousand and ten and fifteen and twenty twenty five came within like a week and a half to two weeks after that, I don't know. I mean I was like it was I, I I'm still not over it. And so today I'm at like forty eight thousand five hundred, but if things continue the way they are, in a couple of days I'll be at fifty thousand and I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm in all that people care enough to watch my content so with that thank you for watching and thanks for having me on
0: love it so i have to give you props too because my we were talking a little bit before we officially pushed record one of my good friends does tiny properties so christy's been a previous guest guys go check out her episode it's super good and I have loved that journey. So this whole time I'm telling my fiance, yo, dude, we need to do some type of quirky property. It'll be really great. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, no, no, no. We're like, Christy's showing me her number. She's telling me. I'm like, it, it, we can make it work. The whole time, no. I'm not joking, dude. I come across your video. I show him two of them. He's like, oh, we should do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Oh, man. That's hilarious. Well, Christy oh, is you. a very, very seasoned uh, host with the my favorite airbnbs in the country so that's all the proof you need like you want to do a potato great go put that out there you wanna do an avocado in california fantastic if you do something weird cool funny and unique you'll do just fine on airbnb or glamping hub or air uh what are they? Oh, VRBO. Oh, the vrbo i'm kind of yep. botching my my sponsorship uh, chances here but <laughs> vrbo and all the other vacation rental platforms
0: I love it. So, one of the coolest things too is you started off, you started with the ADU, right? The accessory dwelling mm-hmm. in your backyard. And That's that was correct. in yeah. LA. So, okay, t- talk to us about that process. Like, why did you decide to do an ADU?
1: Well, I always wanted to build a tiny house. Like, I've been into that movement for a while. Um, When I, before I was in LA, I lived in Kansas City, and my house in Kansas City was $159,000, very cute three two with a thousand square foot basement i mean it was just a cutie right and then we decided to move to la because that's the smart thing to do is to just go somewhere that's quadruple the price (laughs) right exactly (laughs) um so when we moved to la uh our rent was like 800 dollars more for like for a 600 square foot apartment and so you know after living in this apartment for six months i was like man i cannot continue to just like rent and pay you know pay this apartment complex like I told my wife I was like hey we should buy a house it's gonna be really hard I don't think we can technically afford it but we'll be really happy if we make it work and so we bought the house we bought a house with a little 300 square foot apartment underneath it but there was a huge backyard and that's when I was like I think we should build a tiny house and uh let's let's do this thing and LA is just super strict about kind of like regulations. And yeah, you can't really just put a tiny house on wheels and all that kind of stuff. So mm. I was like, all right, I can't build it on wheels, but maybe I can build a tiny house just on a foundation. And that was sort of the beginning of like, kind of realizing realizing my dreams and my goals and aspirations is to build a tiny house. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can do this thing. It's going to cost me like 25 grand. I'm going to knock it out in like two or three weeks because it's tiny. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, you know, Cut to like a year and you know, like 14 months later and it was done, but it was $72,000 and <laughs> took a lot longer than yeah. two weeks to build.
0: Yeah. Did you do the building yourself?
1: Um, I did some of it myself. So basically what I did is I hired uh, a crew. Well, not a crew, it was a brother and a sister. And they're just, you know, they're very good at building. And I hired them basically to, to build it. They erected the building, they framed it, they put the stucco on all the drywall, well, unfortunately, as I said, I kind of went into this, you know, hoping for twenty-five, but my my um, budget was quickly shot down, and you know, I talked to someone, and they said it's going to cost you forty thousand. That's how much the crew and their like kind of crew head told me. He's like forty k. It won't be more than that, like guaranteed. And I was like, great. I'll plan for forty. I'll take out a loan for forty-five. I'll have an extra five thousand dollars. I can buy like nice tile with that extra five thousand or whatever, right? Well. Again, it cost me seventy-two thousand dollars. So right around the sixty-thousand-dollar mark, I was like, "I love you, I love y'all, but y'all have to go. You're, <laughs> you know, I have no more money." So um, luckily, at that point, they had already kind of built me the box, and all of the finishing was up to me. So like the laminate flooring, staining the concrete floors, putting up the shiplap, painting cabinets, countertops, appliances, like I did all of that. So um, I didn't build it, but I managed the build and I did all the finishing and I did all the finishing plumbing and electrical. So I learned a lot from just kind of doing that stuff.
0: That's awesome. And you did all of this too, while having a full-time job, right?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I would That's uh, a lot. work. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's a, it was a two hour commute like this whole time. So like I would oh. leave at nine, I would get into work at 10, I would work until five or six, drive home in an hour, six or seven. And luckily, like half of that construction was during the part of daylight savings where there was like light, you know, at six or seven at night or whatever. So come home after work, give my wife a kiss, run into the tiny house, come out at two or three a.m. One time I remember I was really like, again, I'm not an electrician or anything like that. I learned all of this building this house, but I was in the tiny house trying to figure out how to wire a light switch like a three-way light switch and i could not figure it out and it exploded in my face one night and i was like i give up i'm done with this i'll I'll figure it out later so i walked into my house and my wife you know walked into the living room like super tired and she's like babe and i was like yeah she's like it's 5 a.m and i was like oh my god i've been in here that long and she was getting up for work to because she's a teacher and she, she gets up super early so that was, that's like a pretty good indication of like how that build went for me as a, as a first timer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I can imagine you learned a lot from it too. And I know it's been financially beneficial. So let's talk a little bit about the numbers. You've been super open with sharing all of your numbers, that project alone, just the ADO, how much revenue or profit has that earned you in total? Do you know?
1: I don't know in total, but I can kind of give you the breakdown of rent. So when I first built that house, I built it for, so basically a little bit more of a story there. Sure. I wanted to build it so that my parents could move to L.A. and kind of live with us one day and like help oh, us take cool. care of these kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that timing when I wanted to build it sort of kind of coincided when with me trying to get one of my best friends to move to L.A., and so I was like, hey, you know, I'll build you a tiny house, move to L.A. It's going to be done a couple weeks. Like, it'll be all good. <laughs> right? You can you can sleep in the guest room until it's done. Right. So um, again, so he ended up staying in the guest room for about 12 months. months oh, your like
0: poor that. wife. She's like, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, which was actually <laughs> funny enough. Uh, one of the contenders for my YouTube channel um, name, whenever I started my YouTube channel, I wanted to call it my poor wife. But um, <laughs> a, a, true story. Um, but so because I was trying to get him to come out here and live and everything like, like that, and it went so over time, I was like, hey, I'll make it up to you by discharging you $1,500 a month to stay there. So for about a year and a half, he came and he stayed. He was paying me $1,500. I think my note on that house at the time was about $671. <laughs> you know, who's keeping track? But um, I know it's very specific, but I paid it for like so many months, so I got that thing burned into my mind. But um, after that, uh, I, I just had him. You know, we were having a baby this last January, 2012, right around the time where I start. Right, right after I started my YouTube channel, and uh, kicked him out. I was like, "Hey, sorry, love you, man, but I need the space. I need to keep the apartment or the tiny house open for family and you know people to you know come through and take care, take care of the baby, help us and everything like that." So I was putting it on Airbnb at that time, and so I had like two really good months. Where I was grossing like $3,000 a month on that uh, apartment. And I was set to gross like $4,000 the next month. And then the Rona hit. uh, And that's where I had to shift. Yeah, exactly. You know, change things for everybody, right? But at that time, I was was like, all right, what do I do? Am I going to rent it long term, whatever? So instead of renting it long term for 12 months to 14 months, I decided to rent it long term. For everyone at home, I'm doing the hand quotey things on Airbnb for a month at a time or, or one to two months, so 30 to 60 days. So while I was not necessarily, you know, getting the three or four thousand dollars that I could be making, I was getting a secured like 2,200 bucks a month from that tiny house,
0: which is, I mean, tw- that's a killer side hustle. Like that on its own would have been phenomenal but then you decided to do something in Joshua Tree. Well, two things in Joshua Tree. So which one came first? Was it Mariposa or Conejo that came first?
1: Conejo. Uh, So basically what happened is I built the tiny house in my backyard. People loved it. Uh, You know, I I really liked it. I knew that I was building something special. I didn't really think that it was gonna get so much, you know, um, praise, I guess, within my friends and family. Like they were just like, you really, this is something, you know? And so I was like, all right, well, what if I just did this again? but better, you know? And so I went and I built it, built it out in Joshua Tree, California. The area is called Conejo, which is Spanish for rabbit. Uh, So I called it Casita Conejo. Um, And then everything, all the interior design, the, you know, the staging, the wallpaper, it's all hair and rabbit themed. So um, I did that. I professionally hired that out. It cost me $165,000, which people say is crazy, but it's California. And that one, you know, that is basically, you know, what really launched my YouTube career because at that time, that's when I was taking off and I was like right at the peak of like my backyard, tiny house taking off on YouTube. So I was like, I got to go to Joshua Tree and shoot this house really fast. And as soon as I put it up, that was like instantly viral. And that's kind of how my whole YouTube uh, career really kicked off.
0: Why do you, I, I mean, I think I have some theories on why it went viral, but from your perspective, why do you think that video took off so much?
1: You know what? I put a lot of stock in the actual imagery of the thumbnail. My my creative partner at work, uh, she's married to a a photographer. He came out and shot it and gave me just like the most gorgeous photo of that house that I could ever ask for. And on top of that, the house is it's a cutie. I mean, it's a mid-century modern two story, 300 square foot tiny house like it. I'm sure versions of that exist somewhere, but they're really rare. And when you see it, like, I, I, I really try to, you know, give people a, vis- a visceral reaction in my designs. And I feel like you see it and you're like, wow, that thing is cool, you know. So um, that, that looking cool with the price tag that's ludicrous to a lot of people around the world and around the country was a really nice juxtaposition to, like, you know, really snackable, clickable thing because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a little YouTube knowledge here, but YouTube likes controversy. So there's a lot of arguing in my comments about that house. And the more people are arguing, the longer they're on YouTube and the longer they're going to go back to YouTube to go respond to comments and everything like that. So YouTube saw that and was just like, great, this is the perfect, the perfect clickbait video to lure people into our platform.
0: Look at you stirring up controversy. No, it's (laughs) true though um one of the the coolest things too is i i do i get a kick out of the comments i try not to read them too much but it's funny how naive people are when it comes to taking raw land and developing it and actually building something i think they have this like fake belief that it's going to be a ten thousand dollar build and that's going to include the well and septic and all of that stuff but like what so what are what were the biggest costs you mentioned 165 does that include developing the land yeah
1: that was that was start to finish designs, permits, plans, land, uh, construction, materials, labor. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's so funny. I luckily, so I'm in advertising as a full time job and you have to have thick skin in that industry yeah, because it's constant rejection of your ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you think you have it and then someone's like, hey, um, that's not funny. That doesn't work you're a terrible writer. You're a terrible person. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad, but it does feel like that sometimes. Um, but because of that, I've really developed really thick skin, like copywriter for the past eight years. So YouTube comments, like, I don't know, I really find them entertaining more than like, I'm never really hung up on bad comments, but I get a really good good kick out of people that were like, you're lying. That costs $10,000 max, you know? And I'm just like, wow. Um, yeah, it's so funny, but I mean, Whenever people say that, it's funny to me because the lumber on that house was $8,500 alone. The yeah. land was $12,500. And so it's like, no, I could not. It's not physically possible to build that house for in, in Joshua Tree, California, for less than that price unless I built it myself.
0: I, I think that's the key piece, too. And then you have, you've got your full-time job, which I presume is how you were initially getting the loans and the funding for the builds was... Some rental income there, but then you're you're putting your own finances on the line. Is that the case?
1: I wish it was uh, as uh, be- beautiful as is that is what it actually was. I really bootstrapped <laughs> every yeah. single thing that I did, and uh, I know that you're a money podcast, so I don't, don't I don't want to steer people this way, but I'll tell you how I did it both times sure. and how I have learned from it. Okay, that's how we'll put the spin on it. So. <laughs> Backyard tiny house. I took out a private loan from a company called. Uh, I put. I took out a private loan from a private company online. It was 7.54 percent, and uh, that's a really high interest rate. But it's the only way I could get the loan, right? And then right. because I ran out of money, I had to put like sixteen thousand dollars of my savings on it. And then for that like eleven thousand uh, uh, dollars remaining, I put like eleven thousand dollars on a credit card that was 27 percent. Mm-hmm. So at the time, it wasn't like. I wasn't really thinking about how stupid that was. I was thinking I have to get this done or else all the money is pretty much lost because I'm paying on all my different loans. So that was that. Right. And I kind of learned like, man, if I had just really thought about it and sit down, there's so many other solutions I could have done. I could have gotten a 0% interest credit card that's 0% for like 24 months or something like that. I didn't do it. Right. I was young. I was 27. It's all good. I learned from my mistakes because then on Conejo, the next house, um, I paid for that three different ways. So remember I said I built it sort of for my uh, my parents, the one in L.A. Well, the one in Joshua Tree, I also kind of built for my parents because they're retiring. So I wanted them to have some kind of money to to rely on from a passive income standpoint. So they kicked in $40,000 on that build. And it wasn't really about the money. They just, you know, they're like, hey, we've got this. I was like, great, we're 50-50 partners. Uh, you know, I'll do all the work i'll you know give me the profits for like a year because it's going to take me like a year to do this after that it's like 50 50 and they're like yeah absolutely that's a great deal we don't have that to do anything. anything um so they kicked in 40 um eighty thousand dollars i put on my a home equity line of credit which is for me the best way to leverage my debt because it's very cheap debt and um at the time it was zero percent interest for like six months and then it bounced up to four percent after that so really cheap money. And then for like the last $22,000, I could have used cash, definitely the, the best way to do it. But <laughs> I took out a 0% interest credit card that was 0% for 18 months. And uh, I, I basically bought a bunch of materials and got points by doing that too. So it's kind of a double win. Then I did a cash out refinance and got all the money back and paid everything out. And it was beautiful. It was great. It really worked out. You know, luckily, yeah I don't have to do that anymore but when you're a creative and when you're in real estate you don't necessarily always have money and I did it and it's not until now that I'm finally like oh thank goodness I like rolled the dice because it's all it's all coming to fruition now
0: it's i I applaud your creativity with the financing too I really do because that's one of those things we were we were talking about uh, my lot that I just purchased in the mountains by Boise, Idaho. And one of the craziest things is I started to sit down and look at the costs. So to give everybody context, my lot was $35,000. Super cool. You'll appreciate this. Lots of Dwayne Johnson's all over it. Oh,
1: nice. I love rocks.
0: (laughs) It's it's pretty cool. They're (laughs) like massive boulders. And we're looking into getting utilities out there. Each utility is damn near 30 grand. Like it's getting really, really costly. And so that's one of those things where we, you have a choice, right? Like you could look at that and say that's too much money. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to hold the land and save up until I have enough. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and said, what what could we do legally that we could still make money off of? And that's where we settled on a geodome. And it's like your brain when you first start this type of endeavor has to be so creative. So I am super fascinated with the way you were able to piece that stuff together. And probably some discouragement, but you still made it happen, and that is so rare. So way to go!
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Totally. I mean, that again, it's real estate. So you know, it's it is funny. A lot of my comments are like, "Yeah, of course, of course, you built a hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars with daddy money and a trust fund baby." And You're it's like, like I it's wish. so <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm like, I wish I was a trust fund baby. You know how
0: cool that would have been? I know. But right? no, uh,
1: unfortunately, I'm just a. My, I'm a writer. My wife is a teacher. You know, there's only so much money that we're going to make. We got married. We had $80,000 in student loan debt. Like, you know, it's just the it's so funny that people can perceive that. And it's like, hey, you know, crazy concept work really hard and you can make anything happen, you know, and that's kind of how we've approached it. And I, you know, um, again, is it the most fiscally conservative way to have approached it? No. But also, like, I knew that I was placing a bet and I knew that the people love the L.A. one. And I was like, if I do it again, I, and I do it better, people are going to love it. And thank goodness, you know, that's exactly how it worked out.
0: Okay. So let's dive into this. Cause this is something I personally struggle with often is the confidence in knowing a project might do well. How did you, I'm sure you went through some self-doubt too. You did have the ADO, but even with that project, like how did you wrap your head around the idea of like, no, this could actually be a profitable endeavor?
1: Well, I mean, I was thinking about it this way. So when I moved into my my house here in LA. And I was renting my 300 square foot apartment down there. It wasn't a nice apartment, but I I did renovate it to make it, you know, kind of cute. Right. And so based on that, I was making two to $3,000 a month on Airbnb, which was paying, you know, 50 to 75% of my $4,000 mortgage at the, at the time, Um, which again, game changer for a writer and a teacher. You know, like it's again, we don't have that much money. So knowing the success of my dinky little apartment under my house, which I still have and I still rent out on a full term basis now. But um, knowing that that was crushing it, I was like, well, I mean, honestly, I could almost build anything in my backyard. I could build like like a tiny house. I could build a potato, like whatever it is. Right. Um, I knew that it was going to crush it on Airbnb. And so I just kind of was like, all right, well, I just have to build something that looks nice, like a nice, cool mid-century modern take on a tiny house. And I was like, I've never seen a two-story tiny house. Like, let's do that. And so it was just a little bit of um, kind of knowing that it was just kind of like measuring past results. And I was like, all right, well, Mm -hmm. this is going to be so much nicer than anything I've ever done. Like, there's no doubt that it's going to it's going to kill it out there or here in LA. I
0: love it. I I think that that's really smart. And I like that you kind of dabbled with it first to ease your mind and to see the potential before going maybe all in. You've since done a few more projects. So I know your Joshua Tree houses are incredible. Their inside's beautiful. You did a really good job with the interior. How much of it was interior based versus the marketing of the property, do you think?
1: You know what? Um, I get asked this a lot by because I, I, I do consults and basically people always ask me, like, is your house 100% booked on Airbnb because of YouTube? Um, Good and question. I always say, no, I don't think so. I mean, whether I was on YouTube or not, I was already booked hundred percent, um, at a lower rate, but I was still booked hundred percent being on YouTube, like has helped. I've had maybe like, I'll say four or five different people, uh, tell me when they booked my apartment like or my tiny house, like I saw your house on Airbnb wanted to stay. But other than that, I don't, I don't really get those kinds of messages. So it's kind of Hard to measure, but I can measure based on the fact that before I was on YouTube, I was booked 100 percent and now I'm on YouTube and I'm still booked 100 percent. But I keep, you know, raising prices and everything like that. So for me personally, I don't really think I mean, YouTube helps, but I think that I could basically like if I shut my channel down tomorrow, I feel like I could build another cool awesome tiny house in whatever part of the country and still book a hundred percent because I put so much time, effort, heart, and soul into my builds. And I think that's the number one factor in creating a unique Airbnb that's, you know, very profitable.
0: I completely agree with you too. And I think it's, it's interesting to see that Airbnb is the primary platform. So for somebody that maybe wants to start with Airbnb, what are some of your favorite tips to getting your property noticed on that platform?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of, I mean, you know, the first one is, and this is a really tough one for people that are kind of gauging if they really want to do this, but it's spending money on quality interior design. And so what that means is, and before I say this, I have a lot of Target and I have a lot of Ikea in my houses, um, in my personal residence too, but you can't buy everything from Target and Ikea, mm. Um, And it's really just because when you start clicking through Airbnbs and you start looking at your competitors in the neighborhood, everything starts to look exactly the same. Everything is white walls that, you know, that circle mirror with the gold trim, you know, like Ikea (laughs) vases, you know, everything like that and uh very uh danish coffee tables and all that kind of stuff and then i'm always like oh i have that mirror oh i had that painting oh that coffee table i've had that three times now in my airbnbs you know so for me it's like you have to really break out of the norm and start really kind of like buying furniture from different places cb2 restoration hardware crate and barrel it costs money but it makes you stand out it's quality furniture that's not going to break down on you and that's the thing is like even if you get it to look nice a lot of these furniture pieces like they'll break down on you in like a year or two and you have to replace it anyways so i've learned the hard way buy nice not twice um and so i and i I just i think that that's kind of like step one but step two is oh man it kills me every time when i see an amazing house immaculate luxury beautiful but it's take like the photos are cell phone photos and i'm just like oh just like it's one hundred and fifty dollars, dude. Like I promise you, if you spend that, you're gonna be booked one hundred percent because you're booked eighty percent now, but hundred and fifty dollars more and you could have way nicer like photos. you can get a higher price point. So for me, the two tips is like spend the money. And when I say that, I mean, spend the money on throw pillows. You know, my wife and I used to argue at the time <laughs> on throw pillows because she would buy them, and they were thirty dollars, and I'd be like, hey, we are poor. You cannot buy throw pillows anymore. <laughs> and like cut to like years later. And like a month ago, I spent like $600 on throw pillows for my latest build. Go. So it's like, it's ridiculous, but it's like, it's fine. It's like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that makes your place look like a home. Um, now, granted, I have cell phone photos right now for on my latest build, but that's just because we're waiting on the photographer to come out on Saturdays. So honestly, with those two things, you, you can be very successful.
0: Dang. Do you think that's with any type of property, even if it's not super unique?
1: Yes, definitely. I've seen a lot of, I mean, so there's kind of like a sliding scale, right? Or there's like, um, let's say there's a set of check boxes, like 10, right? Mm-hmm. You're never going to check all 10, but you can check seven out of 10 of them. And if you can do that, I think you're going to be fine. So in those check boxes, we have things like professional photos, great furniture, uh, nice house, nice exterior, great landscaping, location, right? And so for me, I think um, I I don't know. It's kind of like a a combination of all of that stuff. But I have seen plenty, plenty, plenty of, you know, quote unquote, ugly houses on Airbnb that are designed like, oh, my God, you know, they spend like twenty thousand dollars on just super nice furniture. They hired an interior designer. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. It doesn't check the nice exterior box, but it checks the vibe and, you know the Mm. ambiance and like, you know, do you want to stay here? So I think that it's totally like, it can be a little bit of everything. Like for, that's a little bit of everything, right? Like the house itself is, is, it's very nice. The location is 10 minutes away from the park. The interior is awesome. I spent money on all my different, you know, furnishings and fake plants and all that kind of stuff. So I try to check everything I can, but it's not always realistic depending on the house. Like I have a Gatlinburg chalet and that house is old. Uh, but it's got charm, right? And so compared to a lot of the cabins out there, it's older, it's got its quirks and everything like that. But we went in and we spent thousands of dollars on nice rugs, throw pillows, plants, art, and all that kind of stuff. And I think if you look at that listing compared to what's available in that neighborhood, like we tend to, like in December, we were gonna gross $11,000 on that property and our expenses come out to like 21 dollars or $2,200. So- in the month of December, we're going to really crush it out there. And it's because Dude, we spent the money on a good photographer and furnishings. That's
0: freaking incredible.
1: Like, you know what? It's a record. That's literally many, a job. So like, <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's really crazy. I mean, I have partners on that and we all put in, you know, a decent amount of money on it, but it'll be about a year, year and a half payback before we get all that back. But after that, like we're looking at, you know, each each of us will make Couple thousand dollars a month every month. After that, in about a year and a half, so add that to my other nine listings, that at some point will start paying me, and like then I can maybe quit my job and, and be a, a YouTuber, an Airbnb consultant, all full time.
0: How does your consulting work, and like what types of topics do you cover?
1: So originally it started with my YouTube channel, and you know when I started, I had so many people reaching out and saying like, oh my god, tiny house, give me your advice on on Instagram, and I was like, all right great so I would like spend like oh, 30 God. minutes writing these things and then they would never ever respond again I'd be like oh, come <laughs> on man I sent do this thing um but it was all good like I was doing that like every night every day people were wanting to like pick my brain and call me and everything like that and so I, I did that I did that for for the first couple months and I was like yeah I'm happy to like help people and connect and so as I started talking to people and connecting with them online I was like or through zoom or whatever I was like you know what I think I can actually like turn this into a business for myself. So then I was just like, all right, I'm going to do that. So in the in my I think the first time I mentioned it was in my how to permit a tiny home in Southern California video at the very end. I was like, uh, I do consulting now. So feel free to email me and we can book a time or whatever. Right. And I was just like, eh, whatever. And people emailed me and they were like, how do we do this? And so they would email me. Uh, it was so disorganized. Like we were emailing times are you free this time no this time this time because you know at that time I was like didn't know what Calendly was or anything like that and <laughs> yeah. it would Venmo me after after the consultation which is always the most legitimate way to, oh, I was like, no, to pay a after? consultant <laughs> yeah so yeah and it was always like after it's like all right well that, that was a really good talk um my Venmo's at Rob you know and it was always like so <laughs> weird or whatever but you know again I was learning the business I didn't really expect it I was like hey man if I could make like 200 bucks a week like cool i I can buy a camera or whatever but then it turned into three times a week and then seven times a week and now it's 10 and 15 times a week and i'm really i'm really lucky so i've legitimized the business now i have a an app called youcanbookme.com you go pick a time you pay uh, you get sent a zoom link automatically we zoom face to face for an hour at a time and really it's people's opportunity to answer their burning questions so i do i would like to say that every consultation is pretty similar, but to be honest, it's literally everything. It's like, how do we put a spaceship in Antarctica? How do I put a yurt in the Grand Canyon? How do I build a tiny house in Joshua Tree? How do I do a glamp site? I mean, I've really seen it all. And I'm. there have been, like, I would say a, like a month ago, I was getting so many requests. You know, I, I think I've done a 80 at this point. And I was getting super random requests for really niche things that people wanted to do. And I was always like, I mean, I'll take the consultation, but I'm just going to refund them at the end if I don't feel like I can help them or whatever. And I've never had to do that because after every single consultation, I just never knew that I knew this much, you know, from doing it for three years. And like literally every consultation, anything that people throw my way, I'm like pretty good at being like, you know what? I have come across that and here's how I would do it. And if I don't know, I'm always like, all right, well, here's how I would do it if I wanted to put uh you know an avocado in california wine country or something like that and i'm able to help them troubleshoot and at least get them because a lot of people have questions and just don't know where to start so getting started is talking to me and we talk and i talk exactly how i would approach every situation and i think for a lot of people that's like a lot of relief that you know it kind of cures them of what i call analysis paralysis where they think too hard about something and they try to solve every problem beforehand and i think it's a little bit of a relief when i tell them at the end of the consultation hey You are not going to solve everything beforehand. In fact, you're probably for about 50 percent of these concerns. You won't really solve for it until you actually have to do it in the field, on your piece of land, in Joshua Tree or wherever. Right. So uh, consultations are, you know, they're, they're very they vary. They they're very, very just depending on what people want to do.
0: I bet it's such a fun change of pace, too, from your normal day job to just be able to have this creative time to just hear what people's vision is or what their dreams are and help them make it a reality. Like, what a fun, rewarding job.
1: You know what? It really is because I just as I said, like when I started my YouTube channel, it was a dinky little channel where I was trying to be funny and I was just doing like little bits here. And I just I'm so flattered that people watch and I'm like so humbled by it and that people then watch my videos and say, man, I want to book a session with this guy and like pick his brain and understand how he does things or whatever. So whenever people do that, whenever every time at the I have a session, I'm like, thank you. Like, thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to help you. I'm so honored. And it really is rewarding. Um, it's a little hectic now because I basically wake up at 730 in the morning and go to bed at two. Um, because I have consultations up to like four times a day. So like I work from 10 Ooh. to 12, consult from 12 to one, work from one to six, hang out with my wife and child from about six to seven. And then from seven to 10, I consult. So, oh my um,
0: gosh.
1: it's a little bit of a ride, but I do really like it. And I'm excited that, uh, I'm always like. Oh, I don't know if I could do this full time because I don't know how consistent it's going to be. But every week is a new week that I top the last week. And so, yeah, I'm really I'm so excited that one day I could possibly just Zoom with people and help them make their dreams come true. Like At the end of the day, that's kind of my dream.
0: That's so cool. So you also started a Glamp site close to Grand Canyon, I believe, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. What was that project like? How many... Different properties do you have on there? And how did you find the land? I think you were so creative with that process.
1: Totally. So, that is, (laughs) as I said, I have very kind of interesting, unique, weird ideas when it comes to Airbnb. And I'm always like, what can I do? What can I do that's like super weird? I mean, honestly, after seeing so many cool, unique uh, builds out there, like, you know, uh, a potato or a shipping container home, I've seen a spaceship, like all that kind of stuff really feeds into my personal creativity. And so I was just like, okay, what can I do, right? And like, I often look at Airbnb. I'm not saying that this is like healthy for your mentality, but I get really angry at people that are making a lot of money for things that I can do myself. And so I remember I saw a yurt and I was just like mathing it out. And I was like, they're really making $50,000 a year on this $10,000 yurt? That's insane. That's so, I'm so mad right now. And my wife was like, okay, well then do it. And I was like, I am going to do it. you know. <laughs> and it was like through that process of like seeing airstreams that were like, you know, not, honestly, not that nice, but they were making fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year. And I was like, okay, enough's enough. So I like, I texted my partner and I was like, let's put a yurt in the desert. LOL. I think was verbatim the text that I sent him. Cause we just found it by accident the other day. And, uh, you know, he was like, Oh boy, here we go. All right. What 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 now? And I was like, I'm telling you, I've looked at the comps, I've researched it. It's only three thousand dollars. I think it's gonna be fine. And he was like, All right, him and my other partner were they're like, All right, all right, all right, you you always have like, you know, you you have good ideas. If it'll shut you up, let's do it kind of thing, you know. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, we are gonna do this thing. So we bought the yurt and we didn't want to buy land because this is kind of what I advocate for, is just like test out the concept, see if you can get one to, to work it's very difficult to do the one like very hard right you have to sort out solar water firewood and all that kind of stuff but i always tell that people that the good news is when you figure out one figuring out two through 100 is a 1, thousand times easier and so that's how we started so i did not want to buy the land i just wanted to prove it out so i put out a couple ads on craigslist in joshua tree because that's where i wanted to do this and i just you know it was very simple like hey do you have extra land in joshua tree and then description i was like i'm planning on starting a lamp site. Um, I'd like to put a yurt or an a-frame or an airstream or a tiny house on wheels on your property. Uh, I'll pay you a percentage of, you know, fees every month. If this is interesting to you, you know, give me a call here. And I was just like, all right, whatever. Like 20 people called me and they were like, Hey, I got land. I got like five acres, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I like really could not believe, you know, because again, like people were sitting on land in Joshua tree at the time. It was like, you know, for some, someone that, owns their land and owns their house and maybe doesn't work like the idea of like 500 bucks a month extra is not bad for them. Right. To, to just let me put my yurt there. So one guy reached out and was like, Hey, um, I, I like what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I actually am doing exactly this. I own land in Joshua tree. Um, you know, how about, uh, you put your stuff out there. We can do this percentage or this amount, whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. He's a host. He gets it. He's on board. He already has airstreams on his land. I haven't met him, but what could go wrong? you know um, <laughs> always the the question you want to ask yourself. and uh, <laughs> basically I bought the yurt, spent like three thousand dollars. I think I had started buying all the furnishings and uh, I had spent thousands of dollars and he calls me like a week before we're supposed to go out to Joshua Tree and he's like, hey man, I got some bad news and I was like, oh no. And he was like, man people keep breaking into my listings in Joshua Tree. I'm gonna shut down the operation. I'm sorry. And I was like, dude, I just spent thousands of dollars on this yurt," And he was like, no, nah, dude, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm actually moving out to Arizona. I think it's going to be great. Like, you should come with. And I was like, I don't know you. I've never met you before. You know, I was like, we have to meet face to face before I, like, drive eight hours to, like, put $10,000 worth of stuff on your land. So uh, we went to the most official meeting place out there, which is Starbucks. And um, we just sat down and we talked for an hour him and my partner and and I and we just sorted out details and I was like man this guy knows what he's doing like he is going to manage everything for us he's going to fix everything for us he's even going to build the decks and on which we place our yurts on so it's kind of a dream dream situation the only bummer is that we were starting our operation in December which is when temperatures are like 10 degrees at night uh, or lower <laughs> you know so but either way like we went out and we set up our first yurt in the snow when it was like five to 10 degrees outside it was cold oh, brutal. Um, yeah yeah that photo's on my instagram you can see we're all smiling but we're dead inside truthfully and we did it in a weekend um oh so gosh, you know good. yeah i mean it, it was pretty like it was quick like we we drove out friday at like 8 p.m. or something like that. It was right after work, so like 5 or 6 p.m. We got there at like 1 or 2 in the morning. We woke up at like 7 the next morning on Saturday. We built the tent. We unboxed all the Amazon stuff. We got it together. Sunday at noon, we drove eight hours back home, and we did that five different times over the course of the next year.
0: Whoa, but also kind of cool that you started in the coldest season because you, you could see you could experience the property at its worst, quote unquote, and see, okay, here's what it takes to make it comfortable. Like, that's kind of a nice blessing in a weird way.
1: No, totally. Like, it definitely, but it was also really great because we experienced it in the harshest conditions. Exactly. So that whenever people would reach out and say, like, how cold is it? Like, is it bad? Am I gonna die? And I'd be like, well. I can personally tell you that I stayed in it myself and we were just fine with the little propane heaters and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's a it's a really great, really great industry. Um, I never expected that to be such a lucrative business. But I will say like we put it out there thinking <laughs> we were going to make like five hundred dollars a month, which is, is a really good ROI on the actual oh, investment. Yes. We're like, yeah. Five hundred bucks. It's like a three thousand dollar tent. It'd be great. In like four years, we'll be making blah, blah, blah. right? Well. We were 100% booked at like $170 a night and we were cash flowing or we were, let's say we were grossing, I think like 4000 to $4,500 a month on it. That's incredible. Um, so, you know, in December, in the coldest month ever. Right. And so we were just like, okay, this is weird. This is not what we thought. And so that's why I was like, February next one and then march next one and then we bought an airstream and then we built an a-frame and so we've been doing that now for about we're coming on two years in december and that has really inspired me to be like all right well you know what i think unique stays are definitely the next wave of airbnb rentals and this is my thought even before the pandemic then the pandemic hit and we had to kind of reshift our strategy because we were going to go out there and expand and everything like that but we got obviously two months worth of cap. You know, cancellations lost like $30,000. Well, we didn't lose it. We have very little overhead, but we didn't make it, I guess. Right. Um, but, you know, as soon as like things, the dust started to settle a little bit. It got booked back to 100 percent. We've been booked. We've been good to go. And now there's such an uptick in domestic travel in general, which is what feeds into why I make so much money on my tiny house in Joshua Tree and then my backyard. I have travel nurses back there. My glance site is killing it. So with all that, knowing how much domestic travel is going to be a boom here in the next three or four years, I just recently put an offer in on a house in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It's on 50 acres. So, I am Whoa. going and this is not announced to the YouTube channel, so some people will get to hear this first. But I'm <laughs> going out there and I'm going to do a glamp site, like a solo operation where I build kind of my weirdest, quirkiest ideas.
0: Dude, I am about this. And is this where you're going to put the new airstream?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, tell us your vision for this. When I first heard it, I'm like He wants to do what? Like, how the the heck are you going to make this happen? So what's your idea?
1: Okay, so I bought a vintage Airstream for $23,000. I am thinking it's going to cost me about $30,000 to get it all ready to roll, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it'll be about $33,000. And basically, I want to build an Airstream treehouse. Now, as I said, I'm moving to Gatlinburg, Tennessee at some point, which is the number one Airbnb market in the country. It's home to the Great Smoky Mountains, the most visited national park in the country. Gets about a million you know, visitors every month. So that was sort of why I was like, all right, I'm going to place a really big bet. You know, the down payment on this house is not cheap, but I want to do this because people ask me about this stuff. Like part of it was because I was creating a course on, I'm creating a course on how to start a glamping business. And I was like, well, I don't want to just say like, hey, buy my course, like you can do it too. I want to actually give people a preview of that process. And so I was like, if I buy a house in Gatlinburg on 50 acres, I can release a YouTube series that's like, hey, here's how I'm gonna approach land, here's how I'm gonna get utilities, here's permitting, here are costs, and really kind of break it down number by number because keep in mind my, you know, my Arizona operation, I'm in business with two other partners and we're all really good friends and it's all great. But they don't also they also on the flip side of that don't necessarily want me divulging like super specific numbers and costs and everything because it it is a private business, but I'm a financially transparent person, especially on my channel. And so I was like, I know that my audience wants this and I want this. So what better way than to do it myself and kind of divulge every excruciating detail about the process. And then obviously YouTube is a platform for 15, 10 to 15 minute videos. So for anyone that wants the 10 hour version of it, they'll have that access. But I want to really make this accessible to people People that want to kind of carry out their quirky visions, which for me is going to be an Airstream treehouse that's elevated, you know, 10 to 30 feet in the air on a really big deck within the trees. And I want to crane that Airstream at the very top of it. And I'm hoping that if I do that, I can pay back that investment, you know, many times in the next couple of years.
0: I would think you can. That's when I was talking to uh, my partner about this. I'm like, okay, how the heck? Do you build a deck strong enough to hold an Airstream? And so I'm like, I have so many questions. This is incredible. It'll be fun to follow.
1: Well, you know, you, if you think about it, like in Gatlinburg specifically, like people put hot tubs on decks like all the time. And a hot That's tub with, full of water is going to weigh like thousands and thousands of pounds. My Airstream is going to weigh like 6,500 pounds. So there's definitely yeah. a way like we're going to have to spend decent money on reinforcing it engineering making sure that it's all good now the thing is you know visions and dreams are great but you have to actually be able to do them so of course it's not going to come without fighting the city on permitting and all that kind of stuff because i talked to the i talked to like the city code inspector guy yesterday the one guy in the city that could answer my question i've been trying to get him on the phone for like literally oh man a month now and we we talked for like 30 40 minutes yesterday and I feel like I'm just about blew his mind with this idea because he was like, wait, you want to do what? How? Inside of where? You know, and so like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a couple of battles coming up here. But, you know, I'm down to to do whatever I have to do to make this a reality. Because as I said, I'm going to spend about $33,000 on the actual structure. And then with the deck and kind of everything, like, let's say I'll be at the $50,000 mark, but I want to make more than that in my first year. And I, and I know that I can. So whatever I have to do, I'm gonna make it happen.
0: Oh, I think you're for sure gonna hit that. I've never, ever seen anything like that. So I think it's, it's definitely gonna be unique and speak to a lot of people. And I think it's gonna be really cool. I didn't realize that Tennessee was like the hotspot for Airbnbs
1: yeah neither did I but um huh. like once I started actually doing research you know I've been doing this for three years now and I've started doing research and the, the funny thing is like there is no secret location in the country like all of my locations have crushed it they've I've always been pretty close to 100% booked and people are like what's your secret sauce and I'm like spend good money on furniture photos care about your listing respond to guests get five-star reviews if you can do these things right here you're going to be good to go and so you know Tennessee is great. Like the traffic is great. But like I said, if I did this in, you know, Columbus, Ohio or New Bern, North Carolina or Dallas, Texas, like no matter where I did this, I know that I can get the returns that I want because it's all about creating that thing that people have never seen before. And if they've never seen that thing before, they're going to pay prices that they've never paid before because they have to they have to try it out. Right. So that that's what I'm going for.
0: Have you noticed, too, with these properties, like, I know historically I used to think that they needed to be completely developed. So have septic and plumbing and all of that stuff. Is that really the case for it to be successful?
1: You mean just in terms of the actual, like, like the amenities that listings offer?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: No, definitely not. I mean, our glamping experience is pretty, you know, it's like, it's glamorous camping, But it's still camping like at the end of the day we don't have a septic we have a bucket a home depot bucket that's enclosed in a very beautiful cedar woodline box with a toilet seat on it and you go in there and you do your business and then you scoop sawdust inside of it to conceal the look and the smell so that's not a toilet you know i would say very rarely do we get complaints pretty rare like no one ever really mentions how much they dislike the toilet um we don't have ac when it's burning hot outside, we have a cast iron stove when it's freezing outside. Um, but in a tent, like the canvas is, you know, less than a millimeter mi- millimeter thick. So even if you get a blazing fire going, like our cast iron stove is rated for a 1500 square foot space. The tent is like 300 square feet. And that heater for the most part heats it, but there's no insulation. So it's still pretty cold, you know, like it can be in super freezing temperatures. And we have like a little cooktop stove, where they can connect a propane tank into it and it's not a kitchen at all we have running water outside of the winter months so you're definitely still kind of roughing it but you're roughing it on a memory foam mattress with the mini fridge I mean, um,
0: come so, on.
1: so <laughs> yeah so you gotta make up for it like you know so we do get a lot of people that you know they book it it is a high price you know our stuff is anywhere from 159 to 359 dollars a night so they are expecting the Hilton sometimes, which is kind of frustrating because mm. they like they don't read the listing. And so they they get here and they see the beautiful photos, but they don't actually read. Like the very first sentence in our listing says, in all caps, read every single word before booking our place. Because we go into excruciating detail about everything that can go wrong because things will go wrong because it's freezing. You know, you're going to see a cow next. You're going to wake up to a cow next to the yurt. That's uh, awesome. Uh, it is but also like you're gonna not be able to take a shower one night because the water tank and, or there's a monsoon and there's no sun out and so the solar panels didn't charge so again we warn people of this and then they get here and they're like wait a minute what this isn't like an ac like you're what the heck why did i pay this amount of money that's like well i'm sorry you didn't read the, the listing i can't we couldn't have been more clear so right. you know um i would say 95% of guests are super super happy with what we you know w- what we put out there five percent are disappointed and it's because that five percent didn't read the listing
0: and frankly would probably be disappointed anywhere
1: absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely. one of
0: those personality types yeah I love this Rob I know we are wrapping up on our time but are you down for some rapid fire questions before we officially absolutely. part ways Hit me. Sweet. Let's do it. Okay. What is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better?
1: Oh, man. That has made my life better? Okay. It's funny because it's right next to me. And I know that this is a weird one. All right. So just bear with me. But I just bought this robe and it was $150, which is the most absurd amount of money that you could ever spend on the robe. But I don't ever buy myself anything, like literally ever. Oh. And so this is like the first purchase I made for myself in four months. And I was like, I'm getting this robe, dang it. I've been working hard. And you know what? Keep me warm. Keeps me nice and fluffy in the morning. So that has been a really nice game changer for my morning routine.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. You're like living in your robe every day.
1: <laughs> oh, I do. I literally like I have my robe on from seven that. up until about I took it off for this podcast. I'll put it that
0: Oh, way. you You didn't have to dress up for me. It's totally fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now it's fine. I, at around noon, I'm like, all right, uh, I need to get into, like, work mode and, like, feel feel not so sloppy in the morning.
0: Dude, I feel that. I totally feel that. It's rough. Okay, my next question for you is, let's pretend this is post-Rona. Where is one location you're dying to travel to?
1: Um. Well, you know what? My favorite place on the planet is Disneyland. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, oh, is it like, for real? It, no, no. It's Copenhagen in, in Denmark um i have been there twice and we were planning on going again and the rona hit so as soon as things kind of lift a little bit and my little 10 month old baby is a little bit older for the plane ride uh we're going to be hitting that place up we took a an airplane ride a couple weeks two weeks ago to houston it was a three hour plane ride did not go super super well with the little one but man i want to get back to denmark no matter what at what uh cost or no, no that's not true but i want to get there no matter what it takes so we have to kind of prep our baby a little bit more with like long car rides and more plane rides before we do that
0: that's amazing when you do go back to denmark make sure you add arrow island to your agenda it's freaking incredible you'll love it oh what is it it's um it's really cool so you take a, a ferry ride for maybe an hour over to this tiny little Island and it's like blast from the past. It's all these really cute straw huts, just really quaint cobblestone. Like it's pretty cool. It's just oh, a very, man. yeah, it's, it's really awesome. We went there last September and fell in love with it. It was such a cool little place.
1: Done. Absolutely. That's exactly, I mean, that's what I love about Copenhagen that and their museum that's called the Louisiana. That actually is my favorite place in on the, in the world. Like I love that museum so much.
0: That's so cool. Okay. Now, next question for you is, I personally am obsessed with people's routines. So what is your current morning routine?
1: All right. Current morning routine. um, So in a perfect world, I would wake up, this is before a baby, around nine, because I'm not a morning, I'm a night owl. I'm up until two. But now I have a baby. Things are a little different. So I have a, my, my wife goes to work and she places the baby monitor right next to my head. And then um, right around 7.20, my baby wakes up and cries. And it's pretty much 7.20 to 7.23. It doesn't really differ too much from there. So I wake up, roll out of bed. I put on my my very nice fancy (laughs) robe. I go, uh, I grab Isla, change her diaper. Then we head to the kitchen. I make her two eggs and a French press coffee for myself. As she's eating her eggs, that's my one moment to A, mix my coffee with sugar and cream and make two pieces of buttered toast. And I have to eat those buttered toasts before she finishes her eggs because as soon as she finish her, finishes her eggs, she starts crying for her formula. So I have like two minutes where I'm just like eating and guzzling like uh, bread and, and coffee. And then after that, we go and we sit in her playpen for like an hour.
0: <laughs> Hashtag kid life, man. <laughs> Hashtag kid life.
1: But I wouldn't. Oh, actually. We we sit in the playpen and we watch YouTube for an hour.
0: Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's adorable. Future creator. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success?
1: I think, uh, honestly, the biggest thing is the ability to just make a decision that you're scared to make uh, quickly without overanalyzing it. Again, like I said, analysis paralysis is, is what stops most people from ever getting rich because you know, they think that they're going to solve these problems before they can take this risk and, you know, get rich from it. But the the reality is, you're not going to know. And so you have to just say, like, I'm going to do it. And you have to believe in yourself to be able to conquer all of life's punches, you know. And so for me, uh, you know, I was planning on expanding my GlampSite operation in Arizona. And we were going to put, like, $120,000 worth of our home equity line of credit into that business and Rona hit. And obviously, like we were like, oh, my God, like we dodged the bullet. What are we going to do now? Like, what about the business? And we we're like, you know what? No, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure out how to pivot. We're going to wait it out for like a couple months. And we're going to figure out how to expand in a way that people want to still travel. Right. And that's exactly what we did. But if we sat there and we try to solve it and, you know, not make decisions, like we would probably have lost so much money. And that's really a perfect picture of who I am as a person. I know that I've got hustle and I know that I'm smart and I know that I'm tenacious. And like no matter what happens, I will figure it out. So I think it's like believing in yourself to make scary decisions that you aren't really 100 percent sure are going to work out. But you got to be 100 percent sure in yourself to make them work out. Um, sorry if that was a little convoluted, but thanks for coming to my TED Talk.
0: I love it. That was a great TED talk, my friend. Thank you so much for <laughs> It was really fun to chat with you offline, especially since I watch all your videos. So it's really fun to put a a normal face to the name, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm truly flattered and uh, looking forward to coming uh, coming back for round two. Maybe we can do a, a, a another podcast inside of my Airstream Treehouse.
0: Dude, I would love that so much, for sure. That would be awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. I appreciate your time. All right. What'd you think? Wasn't this such a great episode? I thought it was so interesting just to hear how Rob is just creating this incredible business for himself while doing this on the side of his full-time gig. That's the part that really resonated most with me is how much we can accomplish when we put our heads down and we just like focus on one thing and just make it work. That was so inspiring to me. I would love to hear from you too, do me the biggest favor, take a screenshot of this and tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co and then tag Rob as well. He is at Rob built, Rob built, get it? Rob built. Okay. Anyway, so tag us and let us know what really resonated with you. I would love to see your takeaways and more importantly, just see who's tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and you think it would inspire somebody, you know, then send it to them. That's like the greatest compliment you can give the show is to send and rate and review. Means so much to me and I read every single one of your reviews. So thank you for those. All right, guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.